you are about to meet not only a successful dancepreneur, but also a real life fairy. <laughs> I'm talking about the angelic and very talented Simone Lindis Cadell. Simone is the founder and managing director of national brand Tiny Tutus. She launched Tiny Tutus in 2009 and since then has serviced 162,000 plus classes and over 52,000 ballerinas across the country. She talks about her journey from becoming an early childhood teacher to starting her own dance studio at the very young age of 16 years old. As a proud mum of two young men, she is known to say that every mummy with boys needs a little pink in their life. I can't wait to get twirling with you and her as we join Simone Lindis Cadell on business arts and all that jazz. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lankuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line to then living paycheck to paycheck to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. Welcome, Simone. I'm so excited to have you here. We have the beautiful Simone Lindis Cadell from Tiny Tutus. How are you going? I'm absolutely thrilled to be here with you, Joe. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Thank you for coming along. Now, you're close to Newcastle, I believe. Is that correct? So, yes, our head office is in Charlestown, which is, yeah, right just outside of Newcastle. So we're in lockdown Newcastle at the moment. Oh, yes, we are in lockdown, just yeah. like the rest of the state. Yes. Yeah, so you're Although in- I'm, I'm the eternal yeah. optimist and I'm, I'm really hoping that we're going to come out next week. Really? Or I hope so Probably too. not, but, you know. I know, I know. So how is that, how's that been going, obviously, with, you know, being in lockdown? Are you, are you doing okay? Yeah, look, you know, we're, we are doing okay. We really have an amazing team. And I have to say our, our administration manager, Renee, is just incredible with keeping the team together with our Zoom meetings and, and, and um, our Friday um, drinks o'clock and our games and things like that. So we've got an amazing team. Um, homeschooling Friday is drinks a challenge. Oh, yeah, homeschool nightmare. Homeschooling is a challenge. And even though my boys are, you know, are growing up now and are quite independent, it's still, they still need things. So, yeah, that's been a challenge. The biggest yeah. challenge is homeschooling. We actually met in a really unique way. Um, you know, we met through networks on social media. And I remember you um, reaching out to me to actually, you know, 
at no cost. You're like, I, you know, let me help you, mentor you. Um, that was a good few years ago now, I think, good couple of years ago. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is so amazing. Like, <laughs> this woman is so generous, you know. So um, I want to thank you for that, firstly. Yeah, you're um, very, very welcome. I still have your, I actually have your, you gave me a beautiful um, little thing, a little watering can. Actually, I'm just going to get it. Just hang on two seconds. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I think I, I remember that. That was that first year. Yeah. So thank you for helping me grow. Aww. And I just love that. That's just actually something which oh, I can actually keep on my shelf here. Beautiful. Yeah, there you now, go. <laughs> I know how awesome you are, but for everyone that's never met you before, tell us a little bit about yourself and Tiny Tutus. Yeah, what awesome. Oh, that, that, that's interesting because, you know, you don't think of yourself that way at all. But um. I'm really proud of my tiny tutus. I just, tiny tutus is about happiness. Um, I've had dance school since I was 16 years of age and tiny tutus started in 2009 when I was very, very pregnant with my, um, with my second little man. And as you are when you're pregnant, you're not really sleeping. And I had a girlfriend basically say to me, um, she had a horrible experience at a preschool ballet school in Newcastle. Mm. She said, Simone, you have to do this. You're early childhood trained. You have a dance school. I'm not going to do that. But anyway, that night I woke up and I decided, yes, we're going to do that. So I went downstairs. I wrote the website, write the content, design the brochures. The next day we had the brochures printed back when letterbox drops were still a thing. Yeah. We were letterbox dropping the next week. And then we started a couple of weeks later with 50 ballerinas in Newcastle and here we are now. I mean, 50 ballerinas, that's a pretty good start. Obviously you had the experience of running a studio from 16 years old, what inspired you at such a young age to, to go into that sort of a field? I always loved teaching from when I was really, really little. My cousins, bless their hearts, um, went through many, many Simone spectacular concerts <laughs> that we put on for our families. Um, I actually learned tap dancing from the incredible Mr Les Griffith who taught all the tap dogs and I was actually his um I suppose his student teacher and I taught all the little kids and Mr Griffith the amazing man that he was but he actually got really really sick and he passed away mm. really quite suddenly when I was 16 and we had mums from Mr Mr Griffith's studio phoning my mother saying can Simone keep teaching and it's like what do you know about what well, I didn't know anything about starting a studio. I mean, we we rented a scout hall and we and we, and we sort of started. Yeah. And we started with, I think, about 12 little little tap dancers and ballerinas who actually even came to my house. And our first concert was in that, was in that scout hall. And I we, like it was all free. And the kids actually came to my house and they used my sisters and my Stedford costumes for that first oh show. Oh my goodness, that's gorgeous. And um, that's where that's where it all started from. Okay, cool. And what's your fondest memory as a young dancer? You obviously started very young. What, what's something that you, you think of and, and that's just such a beautiful memory for you? Well, there's two things. There's two mm. things. One, I think, is that dancing friends are just the best friends in the world. And I don't know what makes that the, tr the truth. Um, it's They're not school friends, so you don't have any of that kind of school rubbish that goes on. Dancing friends are just amazing friends, and I still have friends from dancing that I've taken all those years away. But as a little girl, the thing that I remember most with Miss Debbie, who was my first my first ballet teacher, I remember her 
studio and it was in the back of her her parents place her father had done it. it was all beautiful and lovely and all the rest of it and I remember being there and I remember doing the, the dolly dance which you know ballerinas would remember and I remember there was a little window in her door and I remember if you were lucky enough to be doing the dolly dance when your mum got to have a turn peeking through the door I remember I remember that feeling of oh, my mum saw me do that which is part of what inspired Tiny Tutus to be completely open classes because I remember as a little girl wanting my mum to see me. And the second part about um, what made Tiny Tutus open classes is that when I was a mum myself, I couldn't imagine ever leading my 18-month-old or two-year-old into an early childhood activity and having to wait outside. So that's, um, that's mm. sort of Tiny Tutus. But they're my dance memories. Yeah, beautiful. So you now have, I mean, obviously from humble beginnings, you've now got, um, I've got written down here about 100 tiny tutu sites across Australia. Is that accurate? Yeah, that is true. It's just so beautiful. I just feel so blessed that we can share um, tiny tutus all around. We're not in Tasmania at the moment, though. Um, <laughs> but expand so largely? Like what made you go all the way? Um, I think that I knew I, I, I knew that once we'd locked down the model in Newcastle, mm. I knew that people wanted it and mm. I knew that we could we could take this further. And I think that was that's a really interesting um, thing that I really wanted the challenge for. So the next step was obviously Sydney and we duplicated it and we met at work in Sydney, which was so cool. That was great. And then we decided to um, think about, well, how can we actually build this in Sydney? And so we actually partnered with Foxtel. We were featured on Nickelodeon and Disney Junior and it absolutely blew up. Um, we were expecting it to go big in Sydney, but it blew up around Australia. So it was almost overnight. It almost shut us down. Um, wow. The amount of inquiry that we had, we had, you know, 60 to 70 phone calls coming in per hour. We had hundreds of emails coming in per hour. And so almost overnight, it turned us national. Um, and when you have such unplanned growth, yes. uh, that's a really dangerous thing for, yes. for any business. I mean, it's a business. good problem to have, isn't it? it? Look, it is a good problem to have, but it's also, it's also a problem where it's about them being able to deliver on what you're promising. Yes. So we plan our growth much more carefully these days. And I think, you know, we're probably in about our 11th or 12th iteration of what, of what Tiny Tutus you know, mm. has evolved. But that's how, that's how we went. And now all of our expansion is, is really, it's really organic. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. I mean, your model is actually not a strange one per se, but unique in the dance space because normally um, what happens is, you know, people... Um, will license their program or they'll franchise. Mm -hmm. You haven't gone down that path, have you? you you're actually the owner of, of these subsequent sites. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're all mine. Yeah, and, so and, you know, franchising is something that, that we are definitely looking at, but mm -hmm. we've really enjoyed the space that we've been able to sit in because it's allowed us to grow our curriculum. It's very much allowed us to develop our, our programs, our mentoring within our studios, within our team. It's allowed us to, to grow in all of these different directions 
and it's been a really comfortable space for us. Yeah, and I find that really inspiring. And as you know from our conversations, I mean, that's that's a model that I want to emulate with my Musical Makers Club. And though we offer very different services um, and obviously have a different client base, you know, ages and whatnot, mm. um, the idea of that being possible to actually have 100 sites um, and, and be able to run those efficiently and effectively and with consistency, which is key, obviously, yes. um, is really inspiring. I mean... Do you think that um, do you think that that is still something that you're excited about? You mentioned franchising. Um, why why change path in the model there? What's the thought process behind that? Um, I think it's it's not about changing path. It might be more um, maybe just just change changing some delivery methods mm. and i'm not even sure whether it's something which you know will will be something that we sit with but i know it's something that we're talking about at the moment yeah um i really love being able to watch our our teachers grow and expand and do all of these incredible things and there's so many of them who start with us and then they go and they start their own their own studios and we and I watch their journeys and I mentor them and it's all that kind of fun and it was the idea of you know maybe they can do that under the tiny tutus banner but ultimately it really is about making sure our service delivery is beautiful across across Australia, um, that we're actually providing beautiful um, engagement with our families, that our, that our admin staff can make sure can make sure that everybody feels heard. That's really really important. So yeah, I find that very interesting, actually, what you just said, peddling back a few moments, um, because you said you know your teachers will go on to open up their own studios and how beautiful that is. Now. For anyone that's bounced around dance studio owner groups, um, that's actually quite a controversial <laughs> thought to be supportive of staff who want to pursue their own endeavours. What makes you have that position? Well, there's two different things here. So, I mean, if somebody um, is really open and upfront about it, and I think it, I think it's that mutual respect, yeah. it's... Um, there is a difference between somebody coming and joining us at Tiny Tutus, taking our intellectual property and the way we do things, yes, um, training, taking all of that, and then trying to leave us, you know, nine months later and trying to take all the kids with us. Now, we actually have um, some caveats in our contracts about that. We actually have um, restraint of train, uh, restraint of train clauses, things like that. Um, which which we actually enforce. So you know, if you want to if you want to come and sort of do the wrong thing, that that's not how we play. But if somebody has been with us for a while and has has grown through the program and they've been really open and honest and we've talked and we've mentored, then that's a really beautiful thing. It's really lovely to be able to to watch them go on and, and create something magic of their own because. Don't you find yourself that sometimes you're just ready for a new challenge? And ultimately, what I want from my teachers is the the I want them to be excited about tiny tutus. And maybe you can be excited for three, four, five years. Maybe you could be excited for more than that. But then sometimes it's ready for a change. And yes, absolutely. Isn't it nice to be part of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, with so many, you know, balls in the air, or I don't know, tutus twirling. Um, what is the biggest oh, challenge 
in running a national dance program? I imagine there must be challenges. I think that it's really important to have a really incredible team behind you because we do have a very big team at Tiny Two Do's. It's not just me sitting here doing this. We have uh, we have an incredible uh, curriculum director. We have an incredible um, teacher coordinator. We have uh, we have a special projects manager. We have a, a big admin team in the office. It really is about team. Um, biggest challenge is making sure that that team is cohesive and can follow follow my vision that's probably the biggest challenge it's getting the people who want to want to be with you on the journey yeah what's your secret to finding a great team any any tips you can pass on there because team is really the most important part of delivering Um, a dance program I hate the buzzword growth mindset, but that is yep. a little bit it. You want somebody who is, you know, excited about about what you do. Uh, one of the things that I say to all of my all of my admin team and teachers is that you have to love us as much as we love you, and that you're interviewing me as much as I'm interviewing you for a job. I, you know that that's a really important thing in terms of getting teachers or getting even admin staff. You can't keep me entertained on the phone for 15 seconds. Then it, when, when you know, I'm trying to offer you a job, then chances are you're not going to be able to, you know, do it in front of a class or speak with warmth and from the heart mm. to one of my teachers, one of my, sorry, one of our families. Yeah. So and I think, you know, from, from my own experience, you know, obviously I don't have 100 sites, but, you know, I've got six and looking to grow next year. Obviously a little bit of a pause with the whole COVID scenario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put a bit of a 12-month step back in the plans, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I think team really is the biggest and mm-hmm. most important piece of the puzzle, um, you know, and I have found when I've done those desperate hires that it just never works out, you know. It just never works out. No. And it actually is more detrimental. And I remember having a conversation with you actually when I had a problem hiring someone at one of our venues and and your philosophy was if you don't have a good teacher, then you wouldn't run that space. So that's really interesting as well in itself. If you... um. The right teacher will create an amazing venue and the wrong teacher will kill it. And you can have an amazing venue that's got full classes with a wait list and then you put the wrong teacher there and it will just destroy all goodwill. And that's a really hard balance. Yes. Do you think it's um, possible to build back reputation once that's happened in a particular space? Yes, I do. You do? Yes, I do. And I think that's communication with your families and then I think it's actually gaining some trust and whether that's through a term of free lessons just to make sure that they are feeling comfortable again that you are the right choice for them that they can trust you because really what's happened there's been a breach of trust there you've put somebody in who hasn't been true to your brand hasn't delivered the promise um so that's really really important the other thing to remember as well is that families fall in love with their first teacher. So, you know, everyone will remember their first ballet teacher or in your case, the first drama teacher. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's not the teacher. Sometimes it's just the families miss that first connection and need to give the new teacher who might be just as wonderful a little bit of a chance and opportunity to. Yes, a chance to shine. <laughs> to shine. Now, um, yeah. I imagine, you know, COVID has been 
a challenge, obviously. Isn't that a thing? States shutting down left, right and centre. Um, with such a young student base, six years and under. Yes. Um, how have you coped with that? Because they can be quite challenging to engage virtually. Do you know, I, supp yeah, I suppose they can be. Um, we've been really, really fortunate that we've had some really, really supportive and excited families. And so one of the keys that we've actually found is that we need to get our parents to engage too. Like this, this isn't... This isn't TV. All of our classes are live, so we haven't done any pre-recorded content. Mm. So it's really important that our, our teachers, uh, when they're doing this, they're, they're talking to the they're talking to our ballerinas, but that our our parents are a little bit engaged with this as well. And we find that when you've got an engaged parent who's actually sitting down for half an hour and watching their ballerina dance like they would in a class. Then you have the you have incredible success, and at the moment, um, all of our lessons in Victoria and New South Wales are complimentary. So for all of our families, and it's incredible the amount of families who are writing in saying thank you so much. It's just become part of our routine. We don't know where we'd be without it, and we found that our numbers have grown each each morning that we've done it on Zoom. It's Sydney was a little bit reluctant to start off with, but yeah. Melbourne just jumps on. And now Sydney's there too. Do you think that's sustainable long-term? Obviously, being, you know, being virtual with such a young student base, but then, as you said, offering, you know, free classes and whatnot, it, how sustainable is that, do you think? I mean, how long, how long can we survive in that space, you know, for your particular yeah. space and genre? Look, we're, I suppose Tutus is really lucky because, we're in states that we, we're also in states that aren't in lockdown. So, I mean, that that's a really important thing to remember that at the moment we've got two, I mean, two of our major markets are in lockdown, but we have the rest of Australia that is still twirling. So that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and long-term it's not sustainable. And I, I it, 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 it worries me the damage that we're doing to our children by socially isolating them. It just, it breaks my heart and we need to get back to the classroom. We need to desperately get back to twirling face-to-face -face because it's not sustain sustainable for, no. for parents or for kids. No, absolutely. I agree. You know, let's just hope that the promises made by the government promises made of the threshold of vaccination actually means we get to open up again because, um, yeah, I know from my own experience, I've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old and, and the other day they were crying, saying they want to see that. Why why can't they go and have a play date? Um, they don't want to FaceTime their friends anymore. It's very sad. It's really sad. Yeah, and it's a bit heartbreaking as a mum. I mean, obviously we all have to do our bit, but I totally hear you. We've got to get those kids twirling again, Simone. I know. <laughs> all of that it's, um, I mean it's it's beautiful from our point of view to be able to watch them in because they, they're they're all decked out they've got their tutus and the ballet shoes the hairs in the bun um it, so it's lovely but you need to be back face to face yeah yeah absolutely now before that first lockdown I remember there was a little bit of a buzz that tiny tutus had planned on launching overseas yes the U.S. Yes. Is that still in the works or, or what's happening on that front? Because I know... As soon as we can get back over to the USA, absolutely. We can't wait. We still have um, two beautiful partnerships over there that we are really, really excited to be um, to be working with. And as soon as, we, as soon as we can get back over and start doing that, then that's it. So I think we've still got eight studios 
um, who are part of our beta program when we actually wow. started testing, who are still doing it over there at the moment. But in terms of getting into our, our, our big launch, um, we're still, we want to be able to do it properly. And I think one of the things at the moment is if we'd have pushed ahead with it and we could have pushed ahead because the platform was there, everything was there, but the way we wanted to deliver it was going to be a little bit, um, wasn't what we wanted. So it's better to do it right than to, than to do it halfway. Yeah, no, I hear you. And it is different to launch um, what essentially was meant to be an in-person program to then potentially launch it into a virtual platform. I mean, they're totally different things. Were you planning on rolling that out in the States? I mean, obviously, you've got your beta course members or your beta program members. Mm -hmm. Is that planned as a franchise model over into like international or are you still, you know, the sole director there as well yeah no it will actually be well there's a couple of different models in this like every every state in the u.s has its own has its own laws around whether you call it licensing or franchising so there's depending on which state there's it it will either be a license or a franchise basically what made you take the leap into the u.s market what was your thoughts behind that it's a really incredible dynamic market space um, that is ready ready for ready for something a little bit different mm. and and that and that's what that's what tutus is it's just it's just ballet delivered differently um you know there's a there's a myriad of, of preschool programs out there and yes. i think what we offer caters for a really beautiful section of the marketplace that really wants something that is pure and elegant and truly early childhood focused and also very um filled with a lot of heart Mm. And so that's our market. Mm. And I really I was believe- actually going to say that you you know you are in a in a a crowded market. I mean ballet, mm. baby ballet. I yeah. mean, I feel like there's a new baby ballet program Absolutely. popping up <laughs> every mm. week. Do you do you see that? I mean, I maybe it's because of you know the online networks I'm in, but I feel like it's I'm everywhere. always seeing something new pop up. So yeah, I mean it's interesting that you talk about what differentiates you between them because that's really key isn't it like how do you cut through that crowded market I actually don't have the stats here and I used to know this off the top of my head but when Tiny Tutu started there really weren't a lot of preschool ballet wasn't a thing it just wasn't a thing Mm. and Tiny Tutu's actually, and I'm really proud of this, completely changed the dance market space for um, for preschool preschool dance. And I say that without ego, I say that with absolute truth. Um, there's, th- there's statistics that show the amount of uh, new businesses that registered that were preschool ballet schools after Tiny Two Shoes, the amount of like, Google searches that actually she was showing that people were searching for tiny tutus instead of the, when they're looking for preschool ballet rather than preschool ballet. So tiny tutus came in and we really changed the marketplace um, and changed the demand. We almost created a demand, uh, yeah. which is really, really exciting, which I suppose gave other other businesses opportunities to fill because we can't be everywhere. Yeah. And um, I don't know, there is, a, there is a tiny tutus difference. Yeah. I think it's the way... It's it's the two shoe. It's all about the two shoe, and it really is our beautiful program. Yeah, amazing. Um, so you mentioned earlier uh, about your Disney collaboration. Now that sounds really exciting. Tell us, tell us a bit about that. What is this this Disney collaboration? 
that was a, that's a really really it's a really interesting interesting time because Disney came to us because um, we'd been working you know on Disney Junior and things like this and they asked us about um, I suppose our, our philosophy and what we were doing and they were really interested in doing a collaboration about the Disney Princess program they loved the idea of our princes and princesses. And because one of our one of our uh, catchphrases is 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 ballet for princesses, um, I love Disney, and I love the fact. I actually feel that Disney princesses are empowered. I think they are empowered, independent people. I think that a lot of people can actually swing Disney princesses to be, um, you know, sassy, just depending on a prince <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And I just don't get that. I mean. Belle, my gosh, she was ahead of her time. That girl was speaking foreign languages and reading books in a time when females weren't even educated. I yeah. sort of feel that it's it's one of these one of these things. So, so I loved Disney, and for us, when we actually started working with them, it was a massive learning curve mm. because all of a sudden there are. Um, so many things that you have to do right down to the right colors that are used in things and uh, it became it, from your own your own little personal thing that you do you're then part of a juggernaut and it's a really interesting space to be working so, so in. what was it exactly that they did they they were a part of your branded program is that what happened or yes how, how was that collaboration actually what was the collaboration as such so it became the Disney print, Tiny Tutus became the Disney Princess program. We mm. actually did, um, we did a lot of video collaborations with them. We did a lot of, uh, a lot of little tutorials that they aired. Um, and we did a lot of, a lot of speaking to their market. It was a really beautiful time. Yeah, amazing. And, you know, obviously I'm a musical theatre nerd and, and Disney is my jam. So <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, tell us, what advice would you give to dancers who are looking to start their own studio or start their own programs? Yeah, I think there's a world of a world of advice out there. So my first my first thing to say is actually to find somebody who you trust and admire and go and ask them for some help. Sure, you know, you can research and you can do all of that kind of stuff, but there's nothing like actually being able to sit down with somebody who you know and being able to say, look, what can I do? Um, there's a difference between speaking to somebody who's done it and to reading it all online. So I would definitely say find somebody who you admire and reach out. Who do you admire? Who, who inspires you? It's a really, really amazing question. I think um, I find that there are lots of incredible people who've inspired me in my life. Mm. I think that my mother is the one who inspires me the most. My mother inspires me to be independent and to reach and to try try new things. I think that it was mum and dad who made me confident, made me believe I could. Yeah, amazing. And, you know, that that's really interesting. What about um, in relation to business? Did you have a business mentor ever going through your process or was that more just your family supporting you through and, and really figuring it out throughout yeah. your journey? 
I have to say that I didn't even really consider myself a business owner until I became part of the Ozmumpreneur Network. And if you haven't heard of the Ozmumpreneur Network, can I just tell all of your people out there to, to reach out and, and Google Ozmumpreneur, Peace and Katie, who started Ozmumpreneur. Um, and the Ozmumpreneur Awards, that was the first time when I actually won the Emerging Ozmum of the Year. It's the first time I actually saw myself as a, as a business owner. And it was the first time I'd been to a networking event. From there, I have I found the person who did my social media and my website. And I found my PR person. And I found wow. all of these incredible people <laughs> who, who helped me and who, who built me up. And then as Tiny Tutus grew, I absolutely love um, the uh, something called EO, the Entrepreneurs' Organisation. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's based in Sydney. Um, it's international program. But one of the most beautiful things is that you actually have a forum, a, a core of other business owners who you can really bounce ideas off. And I found that that was another incredible, incredible place mm. that I have grown and it's Would funny because you, you actually recommended me to Ozmumpreneur yeah. a couple of years ago and I applied for an award, the Creative Arts Award, which I won in 2020 during yes. lockdown. And then this year I went on to be a judge for Ozmumpreneur, so that was exciting. Yeah. I mean, I find it actually quite interesting that you didn't consider yourself a business. Um, I know a lot of artists that I speak to don't. Um, but yeah, that really surprises me. What what year did you join the Ozmumpreneur Network? So it was 2010 was when I um when I was nominated for the emerging. And I wasn't even going, I was nominated, it was like <gasps> Yeah. I mean, are you driven? Was it because you didn't see yourself as a as a business? Why? Was it because it, your passion drives you? You don't see it as work? What, what is it that, that made you feel that way? I think the world just lives on imposter syndrome. And, and I know that I still, I, still, I still have that even now. I really, mm. I still, um, there is that imposter syndrome. And I think at the time too, it can be, being an owner can be really, really isolating. Being a leader is really, really, it's, it's, it's quite isolating. And seeing yourself in that position that's see if others see you in that position that's that can be quite confronting yeah absolutely well you are a very good leader and obviously a very intelligent businesswoman so imposter syndrome is now gone <laughs> so um my final question and I like to ask all of my guests this question what's next so what's next for Simone well, COVID has actually given me some really lovely time to be a little bit creative. Mm. And so at the moment, we are actually designing a beautiful clothing range and I am so excited about it. So we've had all of our all of our um, samples, all of our things have gone backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And we were literally just about to do the photo shoot. So we'd actually put a casting call out for all of our ballerinas to come and, and actually be photographed in all of these amazing dresses. Oh, I'm so excited. And, of course, we got locked down. So that's what's next at the moment. It's just increasing the retail space that mm. Tiny Tutu sits in. And what do you just, currently offer in retail at the moment? What, what's your brand at present versus where you're, where you're planning to go with it? 
So at the moment, it's very dance focused. So at the moment, we've got obviously, you know, everything you could imagine for the, the dance from ballet shoes to stockings to hair things. Um, and then we've got lots of lovely gifts as well. It's beautiful snow globes and there's jewellery boxes and there's necklaces but and props, this beautiful special occasion space that we're stepping into wow. uh, with some spectacular dresses that are just absolutely glorious quality that um one of the things that I love with Tiny Tutus is that I always say it's about the moments. It's about precious moments. And we wanted to be able to take Tiny Tutus beyond just um, the classroom and be able to step into some other special precious moments too. Yeah, there's a sense of elegance with Tiny Tutus, I find. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I think that you're going to be creating those special moment dresses is actually really amazing. Congratulations on that. I can't wait to see the new range of clothing. When do you plan to launch that? We would like to have it ready for our recitals. So it will be launched in our recitals um, and online end of October, beginning of November. So Oh, so very exciting. soon. Yeah, like really, really soon. Okay, so if um, anyone wants to find out about, you know, Tiny Tutus or yourself, where, where can people look? So you can Google Tiny Tutus, just tinytutus.com.au and you can find out about that. Beautiful. Thank you so much for today. I have really enjoyed chatting with you. Obviously, I love chatting with you any other time, <laughs> but it's so good to get you onto the line here as well. I absolutely love talking to you. You are one of the most inspiring, incredible entrepreneurs yourself. And I'm, I've been, it's just been amazing watching your journey. So thank you for having me here today. Thank you so much, Simone. I appreciate it. All right. Well, you take care. Have a wonderful evening and mm -hmm. I'll see you soon. Great chatting with you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts and business, head to my website josephinelancuba.com and you can find me on socials. I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World and you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuba.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening.